This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 424 of the Dressage Radio Show and the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Total Saddle Fit and Kentucky Performance Products. Tonight, we're doing an episode with lots of our friends from Europe. Misty Flagland joins us from England, where she's training with Catherine Bateson-Chandler. And Olivia Legoy-Welts joins us from the Netherlands, where she's still celebrating the Nations Cup victory at Rotterdam. We also have a great trainer tip from Bridget Hay. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. We have the big boss here, Glenn, who's got some notes and stuff for us. So let's see what he has to say today. Yeah, we apologize for Philip's uh, connection. Uh, he's coming in and out on us. Uh, something happened to the internet in Canada, and now it's gone. So, uh, <laughs> and I got to steal his job. Yeah. I got the intro today, kids. Yeah, I don't Reese think I'm champion. That. Yeah, Reese is <laughs> gloating on this, isn't she? Yeah, I kind of want to keep the uh, keep that. No, <laughs> we, we are having some internet problems, so we apologize. But uh, Glenn, what's going on? What you got going on? Well, we wanted to give a shout out to Tom. Tanya, I think that's how you say her name, from Denmark, she sent us a very nice email, and she basically found out what podcasts were and looked up Horse Radio Network, and we popped up first, and then she started with the Dressage Radio Show, and and she said, that was not enough, I got hooked, and now she's listened to 11 of, of, of our 14 podcasts. So uh, she she also said something very nice. She said, it almost feels like you guys are part of my horse family. You have great hosts, and I get happy each time I hit the refresh button, and there's a new show. So that was a lovely email. We love to hear that. And what was amazing is she started with the Dressage Show and still went on to other shows. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised she started with the Dressage Show and decided to move on. Right? <laughs> I guess, we, I guess we just don't do enough episodes of the Dressage show to really satiate people's thirst, right? Exactly. Well, well, that's really exciting, and we're glad she joined our family. So keep bring more people from Denmark on. That's really fun. The other couple things is the Horse Lovers Cruise. If you're interested at all, Reese and Philip are going. We have 50 people signed up. And uh, it is leaving February. We have all the details at horseloverscruise.com. So that's uh, something I wanted to mention. Also, we do have 14 shows. We've added a couple of new shows here recently. So if you have the app, make sure, if you have the Horse Radio Network app, make sure you update the app. If, if you don't see Heels Down Happy Hour, then you haven't seen the newest show and you don't have the, the latest version of the app. So you definitely want to update it. You should see Heels Down Happy Happy Hour, which is the newest show on the network. Tell us about Heels Down. Yeah, we well, don't even know of this show, Phil and I. We should. Uh, it's done by Heels Down Magazine, and they cover you know they cover all the the sport horse sports, and it's a fun magazine. They have a good time over there, and it's Happy Hour. You know, basically, 
the setting is that it's done in a bar at happy hour. Three professional women talking about what's going on in the horse world. And they even give drink recipes every episode. They give you a new drink recipe, every alcoholic drink recipe every episode. Um, and it's just like being at happy hour. So fun. so it's a lot of fun. Oh, really fun. Yeah, I don't care to ever get to happy hour. So I, I think maybe I should listen to the show. I'll feel better. <laughs> you can drink along at home. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I love it. It's kind of the opposite of horses in the morning. You know, we start the day, yeah. they end the day. It's twice a month and uh, you'll find the first episode out there. Awesome. That's so cool. I love it. <clears throat> and that's all my announcements. I love it. Well, we are going to actually uh, start the show with Missy Flagland. She is in England right now training. Uh, so we're going to hear all about what it's like to train in England. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Missy Flagland back on the show. She is an FEI rider and trainer from Nebraska. But Missy, you are calling us or we're calling you in England right now. It's about bedtime, isn't it? Yeah, it's just about a quarter after 10 here. And believe it or not, it doesn't get dark till about 10 o'clock here and it gets light about 4 a.m. So <laughs> you're not getting any sleep. <laughs> no, well, I, lo- not a lot. I love it. Well, Missy, tell us, what are you doing in England? This is huge. This is a long way from where we chatted from Nebraska. From the World Cup, you bet. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, I had the opportunity to work with Catherine Bates and Chandler over the winter when I was in Florida with several of my horses and she had an opportunity come up where I could come and continue my training with her um, as a coach and as a trainer over the summer here in the UK. She comes over here every year. She has for the last, I think, 10 years maybe to ride and work with Carl Hester. And, And so I contacted one of my horse owners in addition to another sponsor who was possibly going to help me with my personal horse and um, both those horses were small tour horses and we thought it might be a great opportunity for me to at least up my game and continue in a training program which for me would be huge considering having only the winter circuit um, is my only option right now um, from where I'm at Warren based so we decided that that would be a great opportunity and at the end of May we loaded up and thanks to the amazing people at the Duda Corporation, got the horses on the plane out of Chicago, and we headed over over the big pond. So, and that kind of started our big adventure. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it. Awesome. How did the flight so, go? Yeah. yeah, how did the flight go? It was very, very smooth. Um, they put me on what's called a combination 747, and it means it's passenger and cargo. So, my horses were the only two horses on the plane. And we took off at like four or five in the afternoon from Chicago, landed at 6 a.m. in Amsterdam. And because we landed so early and because my horses were the only two on the plane, we got through quarantine in about two and a half hours, which most of the time it's five to six. And it's, they can't come off the container that they're in on the plane until they're cleared by the quarantine vet, so on and so forth. So it really worked out well for us. And we then were put on a transport to a horse hotel just about 20 minutes from the Amsterdam airport and taken to a very nice place called um, Holland Horse Hotel, where we got to have a 12-hour layover for the horses to rest, for me to rest, before Dillison's, who is a fabulous transport company, picked us up for the 12-hour journey south to the UK. Um, in that journey, we went through Belgium and France got on a ferry and had an hour and a half ride on the ferry, which was very smooth. Um, although you could not go down and see the horses 
during that time, but it was very smooth. And my driver, Peter, who was, who was an ex show jumping groom, fabulous guy, um, was really just a great confidant the whole trip. So we came off the ferry and headed over, over to where I'm staying, which is in what they call the County of Gloucestershire here. They just call it Gloucester and in a little town in that County called red Marley de Abbott. We just call it red Marley for short. And that's about mm, 15 minutes from Carl Hester's barn where Catherine rides and trains and she comes down for me and another American who's here and we train and then sometimes get to go watch Carl and teach and do some other things. So it's been a great time here. I can't tell you how, it feels a lot like home because of how amazingly nice and helpful the people are here, but very much like the Midwest from where I'm from. And so that's been great. They're always concerned with, you know, how are you doing? Is everybody settling in? Okay. You know, just go out of their way people to do things for you. It's just a really great culture to be, be around in. Fantastic. So tell us so about your, your living situation, because usually it's pretty easy to find the horse a stall to, to live in and a paddock maybe, but but where are you staying? How how did that work out? Well, Catherine made those arrangements, and I'm very fortunate. So the place where I'm staying is um, one of the owners of one of Carl's current Grand Prix horses, a horse called um, Barolo, who he just competed at Bullsworth and did quite well, 77, I think. And so she has her own private yard with her own private dressage courts and everything, in addition to having her main house there's what they call a cottage, which is where I live. It's a, it's a very cute, basically, apartment. It has a nice kitchen, family room. And upstairs, we have two bedrooms, two baths. So, And that looks out to where my horses are in their stalls right behind me. So I walk out my French doors, and there are my horses. I go tack them up and ride to the courts, and we ride and have our lessons. And, and in the meantime, um, the one that does get turnout has a huge pasture here that he gets to be in during the day. And it's just amazing. It really is just amazing. Um, in addition, they, she breeds some horses every year. And this year she had one of Carl Stallion's Eugenus in addition to a Utopia colt. But I got to watch the Eugenus full being born here this year. And that was great. It's a beautiful chestnut colt. And so that was kind of neat too. Oh, wow. pretty, awesome. pretty I know people. we're like, Oh yeah. babies. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so tell us what have you and Catherine been working on um, with your horses Are you, now that you're, you know, relatively settled. Yeah. So I've got one whose name is Royal Gem. And I don't know if you guys remember from 2015, we compete, I competed that horse in the festival of champions in the small tour. He was one of the horses that Lloyd Landcammer had bred. And he mentioned in an article in dressage today about his dream of having his one of his horses that he homebred go to the festival. And so Lloyd had passed and Jim and I had only competed in our first CDIs together that fall and was lucky enough to make the championships that year. And so I brought him and we're trying to, we're working, we're going to show the small tour over here, but working on moving him up to the Grand Prix and building more strength. So with him, We've been really powering up his trot. And in addition to creating a little bit more lift and cadence in the canner, um, we've started practicing a few of the ones, but it's pretty easy for him. So we're going to hold off on that for a while because we don't want hmm. him to start throwing ones in everywhere. He's a little bit uh, overachiever. And so um, he tries so hard to please you. So we thought since that's so easy, we'll take that 
you know, down the road. And the, the rest of it has been coming along. She's really fine tuning on, you know, the lift and the power, like, not that my horse would ever look like this, but like how you see Stefan's horses or Laura Gray's horses and how their shoulders are so lifted up and so reaching in the half passes um, or in the changes. And so we're adding those pieces to what my horse could do with his ability and adding that into the, to the training. And that that's what we're hoping to carry on to our test for our first couple of shows, but we'll see. Um, it's really great too, because there's another FEI judge that comes here, a, a gentleman named Peter Storr. He's a four-star FEI judge and he comes yeah. to teach out of Anna's place. And so it's really great to have, we get to sit and watch him teach some of these people from Ireland and other places around. And um, it's pretty cool just to, you pick up little tidbits here or, or maybe, you know, you think, oh, that's what Catherine was trying to explain to me. I see what he's talking about, you know, there. And so it's been very very neat to be able to be a part of that because no matter who you're talking to, whether it's Carl or Peter or Catherine, if you have a question, they're more than willing to stop, take their time and answer it for you. It's pretty cool. Pretty oh, neat that's place. cool. It's like yeah. a great education. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yeah. what's different about doing horses in the UK versus uh, the US. You know, that's a good question. Um, I would say that they, and I wouldn't say it's because we in America don't want to, but here, you know, the horses either, they, they go out, they get turned out a lot. Most, it's a huge priority for a lot of places. Um, and so not that, you know, I've got one that I can't turn out, just a little bit the nature of him. But I, that's one thing I've noticed is that the horses get to be horses, no matter what their value. And they've always gotten to be horses because most of them um, have been made here you know, made at Carl's as from a four-year-old on up. So they've, they've never not had that opportunity. And so I thought that was very interesting. Um, the horsemanship too is, is quite good here, but I think that that's also very true in the U S and, um, I know that in the U S more and more people do as much as they can to turn out. And there's just some horses you can't, of course, but you know, that's the sad part, but, um, you see like you're driving down the road or driving down. It's not really a road. It's like a one lane tiny little narrow maze yeah. of trees yeah. and bushes and and as you come up through this path of bushes you're like there's there's a mom and a little child on a pony going down the road you know and you see that all the time they hack out on the road a lot here um right on the black asphalt right. and stuff with all their top yeah, road work that's yeah. a big thing in england yep. road work where they ride yep, them they it is in, on purpose ride them on the roads on purpose <laughs> on purpose yeah their shoes they have you know, stuff in their shoes to keep them from being slippery. And, but yeah, they have, um, most Wednesdays here, at least at Carl's farm is hack day. And so, you know, you just go out and just let them be, just let them be, but yeah, you're still getting some fitness in there. So you see a lot of that on the road. Um, and a lot of variation, you've got the little ponies, you've got like, I'll be driving down the road and they'll be like, it'll be Sunday and there'll be 20 horse fans. And it's, all ponies and pony looks probably pony clubbers, I'm assuming, <laughs> or what would be like <laughs> yeah, pony club in the U.S., you know, and so it's, but it's, they're just everywhere. It's just everywhere. And so it's, it, but it's also a lot smaller area than where we are in the U.S., where we're spread out huge amounts of land and, and space. And I think that's one of the reasons we don't see it over there like we do here, you know. Yeah. So. So you said you've gone to Carl Carl's barn, Carl Hester's barn. So tell us a little bit about yeah. that experience. What was that like? 
it was great. You know, it's just, it's like walking into home, you know, it's very relaxed. Everybody is very nice, um, very extremely cordial. I know Alan from the world cup and, and that he's one of the grooms there, top groom there. Catherine's usually there and her husband, Carl, um, Carl's usually teaching or on a horse. And at the day I, the, one of the days I, most of the days I've gone is he was teaching. Um, but it's, it, he's, it's a beautiful place. It's very horse friendly. Um, and it's very, it's not absorbently beautiful or, uh, um, rich looking. It's just perfectly laid out for horses. You know, you go in, you have a big, a beautiful indoor, you go out, you have a beautiful outdoor with the bushes and the, and you guys have probably seen in some magazine pictures, the, the court outside, you cross a, a small bridge and you go down and you have all these turnout paddocks and it's, it's just great. You come, you sit down on the bench. He says, hello, how are you? And he keeps teaching. It, you know, it's, it's just really great, really great. Fantastic. So kind of what so far has been your favorite experience either, you know, with the horses and, or just in life, how, what has that been like? I think that the entire, I don't think there's one experience that has been favorite. I think it's the whole journey, truthfully. Um, it's always been a dream to come over here and to compete and to train and to be able to continue on having somebody work with me in the off season. And so every day I'm thankful just to be here and every day it's like a new adventure, you know, not that learn something, you learn something every day with the horses, but every day I wake up and I think I'm here, I'm doing this, I'm living this, this is really happening. And so that for me, it's the entire, the entire trip is for me, every day is a favorite day to be here and be experiencing this and learning from this and, and living this dream. Oh, I love it. Well, Missy, we would love to stay. Well, obviously, we'll stay in touch on Facebook, but uh, we would love to have you back again on the show and tell us kind of the end of the journey. What happened at the end of your, I think it's four or five months stay in England. It's, It's really cool. And thank you so much for sharing with our listeners. How can our listeners find you online while you're over there? Yeah, I'm, I'm at www.lariataranch.com. And that's L-A-R-I-A-T-A ranch.com. And you can email us or email, and you can email me. My husband and I both share the same email. Um, the other thing is I'm also on Facebook and it's kind of an odd name, but it's Kip Missy Vladland because my husband and I both share a page together. So either one of those is fine. And uh, yeah, if anybody has any questions or any you want to know about anything over here, I'd be more than happy to share my experience and, and what I'm learning and uh, any, anything to help. Cause I know that definitely helps me when we get to see some of our top writers share their experience. Um, and I, every time I get that opportunity, I try to get online and read about it or, or look through and learn from things that they've learned from to try to, to continue on and to be the best rider and horseman I can. Love it. Well, thank you, Missy. We can't wait to keep in touch with you. Thank you, guys. I hope you guys have a great evening, and it was great to be here. Thank you again. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products electrolytes. Who needs them? Your horse, that's who.
Electrolytes perform critical functions within your horse's body. They help regulate nerve and muscle functions by carrying electrical impulses between cells. In addition, electrolytes assist the body in maintaining a healthy fluid balance by controlling your horse's desire to drink. When your horse loses significant amounts of electrolytes and fluids, problems such as dehydration, muscle cramping, fatigue, tying up, and colic may occur. Even in mild forms, these conditions can have a negative impact on your horse's ability to perform and recover after exercise. Top riders and veterinarians turn to Summer Games Electrolyte to keep their horse healthy in hot weather, and you can too. Summer Games replenishes the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when your horse sweats, and it stimulates the thirst response so your horse continues to drink and stay properly hydrated. So when the going gets hot, trust Summer Games Electrolyte from Kentucky Performance Products to protect your horse. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Olivia Lagoy welts We've been documenting her journey with Racing's Lenoir, or Lono as we call him. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Thank you so much. Well, Great we to be back. Oh, we couldn't be more excited to have you on the line. You are currently in the Netherlands. So kind of tell us, update us what you've been doing. You've had a really, really big couple weeks. Yeah, it's been uh it's been an awesome trip for us uh so far, like full of some really great surprises and uh we came not straight from Gladstone, but we essentially like moved our trip date up uh, after Gladstone because Robert uh, and some of the selectors thought it would be a good idea for us to do like a a lead-in show to Rotterdam, which uh, really proved to be an excellent outing. And we made some great friends at the show in Delft that we went to. And and so we did that and then went on to Rotterdam. Um, And I've been based here in Holland uh, with the man that I actually used to work for, uh, Egbert Crack. And so that's been fun. It's a little bit like being home away from home. And yeah, yeah. And Rotterdam was amazing, like super cool show. Like it's literally in the woods and you hack through the woods to go to the arenas and pretty, pretty, pretty cool, I have to say. I love it. So what, so tell us kind of leading up to Rotterdam, you know, you guys flew over. I mean, tell us sort of all of that. That's the logistics and getting there. How did that work for you? Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, actually Casey, Casey Perry ended up staying on also from Gladstone. It was a little bit, we had a very, uh, busy, probably like 24 or 48 hours kind of with the move up on the departure date and, trying to find another show and that kind of thing for everyone to do. So she ended up coming home with me uh, for like a week and that was awesome. She's lovely and a lovely rider and an even, even more lovely person. Um, So she and Dube stayed at our, our farm in Virginia for a week and she and I kind of watched each other and helped each other in that lead up. And then we got picked up, by Johnston Horse Transport at like three o'clock in the morning, I oh think gosh. on a Wednesday or Tuesday, and then they drove us 
uh, drove the horses up to New York and Casey and I followed along in um, her rental car. And then we got to JFK, I think, Oh, I think by noon, at least it's about a five hour drive. I think we must've gotten there a little bit earlier, but then you always hit a little bit of traffic. And, uh, then the horses basically rest for the rest of the day. So I think maybe we started loading the horses at around six, 6 PM. And, um, so you, they've redone it there, which is, great to know because now it's like beautiful and everything's new so they wait in these really nice boxes and then um, you literally load them onto the the pallets the crates that they fly in which look kind of like um, it's almost like a, a horse trailer but take away like the wheels and that kind of thing it's like a box and on the top and you can fit up to three, but both of the horses got like a stall and a half and then they wheel them out onto the tarmac and then raise them up and put them in the plane. And then we're not allowed to do that part. So we put them on the crate and then, uh, due to horse transport takes over from there and they do a fabulous job. So then we go around, check in, uh, at the airport, kind of a bit normal. You, you have like a working ticket. And then you go and you go to the back of the plane on these 747 combo planes and you wait and you meet the, the working groom attendant who's like, um, works for KLM. And then he takes you in through a door at the back of the plane. And then the horses are like right there in their crates. Like the people don't even realize that, that they're on the flight. So then you, stand with the horses during takeoff and landing and check them a few times through the flight. Um, we had a fabulous flight. I don't think I've ever had such a smooth gradual takeoff or landing. Like I literally had to look out the window to realize that we were on the ground when we came down. So all the horses flew really well. And then you, um, go out, kind of like a normal passenger and then you walk around at the the airport in Holland and you you walk down the street basically to where the cargo unloads and then you and then you wait yeah. <laughs> and then the horses come but then they have to sit there on the pallets and wait for all your um like stuff and you have to wait for the state vet so all the equipment has to get checked and uh, unfortunately, one of the horses on the load didn't show up with the right papers. And then the horses that our horses were going on the truck with, like something was wrong with their carnet. So we met the horses, I think, at around 11 o'clock, but we didn't get to leave the airport until around 6 p.m. Oh, my uh, gosh. So that was, that was a lot of waiting. Fortunately, the horses were really good and really quiet and both Duble and Lono are pretty experienced travelers now and it was nice to have them like stabled next to each other at the farm before we left so they you know kind of had their friend and that kind of thing so then we went from that airport we went to Egbert's farm which is stalled the Kraken and unfortunately that's like literally 15-20 minutes from the airport so that's a very easy trip for the horses got them there got all the stuff off and they had nice big boxes 
waiting for them with, you know, fresh jaw and they just kind of settled in really well. And then, and then Dawn, uh, White O'Connor came the next day and, uh, she brought Legolas and then, uh, another horse that she has in training. And, um, and so she met us at Egbert's and we were there for about a week. And then we went to the show, uh, in Delft, which literally it's funny because when we were on our way back from Rotterdam, like the next week, we passed the show in Delft, like everything's very close here, which is nice. And kind of part of the reason that I had organized for us to stay at Egbert's for a week is so we didn't drive the horses to Belgium and then drive back up for the show and, and back down. Even It's not that far. It's a few hours, but after they've traveled already so much to just get here, it's kind of the, the less bouncing around they have to do the better. So, so that was kind of the first leg. And then, um, after Delft, um, Casey and Dawn went down to Reti, which is in Belgium. Um, it's, Tommy and Rob's barn, um, which Robert had organized. And I know that's where the rest of the team was based last year. And that was my original plan as well. Um, but then Egbert had been helping me um, some before Delft and I felt like it was going in a really good way. And so I talked to, to Debbie, who's, you know, been my normal coach for the last uh, like coach and mentor really, but last couple of years. And, um, she knows Egbert well, they've bought horses there. And I think they even got like wizard through him a long time ago. So, and she knows that I had worked for him for three years when I was just out of school. And, um, and so we agreed if it was going that well, that I should just, just stay put. And so that's, that's what we did. So I stayed with Egbert all the way up until um, Rotterdam. And then he came and and helped me at the show. And I met all the other riders there as well. Um, Laura and Adrian. Shelley was there and Charlotte Yorst. And they were doing the three-star, that group. And then the team was Casey and Laura and Dawn and I. And so, um, uh, Olivia, I just wanted to jump in here. Um, tell us a little bit about yeah. how Lono's going and kind of your goals for the two shows, Delft and then Rotterdam. And, uh, and you know, was it a surprise how well you did at Rotterdam? How did you feel about your test? Tell us a little bit about the riding. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, Delft was like a really good show. Like we had all done Gladstone and that went like well, but I think we all wanted to go out and work on a few things before so um at Delft like that really gave me the confidence he was really super there and really really rideable in the test so that gave me uh, the feeling that I would be able to go into Rotterdam and kind of a little bit like really ride and really go for it Lona can be pretty hot sometimes and you know as you're bringing him up in the Grand Prix you don't want to fry him and so he kind of a little bit had given me the green light and in that show that it was like, Oh, okay. Like, I think we can, you know, up our game within reason, of course. So that had me feeling pretty confident coming into Rotterdam, just that I could put out a good Grand Prix. And, um, you know, he, I didn't have 
sometimes the first day at the show, like he can just be a little bit tense, not in a spooky way, but just less through feeling. So we had a little bit that ride before, which you never, you never loved that because you're like, Oh my God, what about the next day? And then the next day he always comes out great and fine. And we had a good light school in the morning and then, you know, he was really, really in a good place. And so we went in and I was just able to really ride that test and really kind of feel like I owned every football. Egbert and I had been working on, you know, sharpening up the Piaf and just the reaction and like his balance and his frame and just getting him. He's a very, he's kind of a big horse. So keeping him really balanced and in a smaller package and it really and just having a lot of body control and it really paid off you know it's like it was a awesome feeling that test was so I had no idea how it was going to score you know when it scored how it did I was thrilled and then to have Stefan come up and be like you know you do that a few more times they're going to be giving you you know 76s and 77s like I was like whoa okay you know so that was that <laughs> yeah was and you got a totally 74 so you know yeah. Like, yeah, you got a 74. Like, holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, happy with that. Like, and, and we got a 75 and a 76, I think, in that. And then we, 274, and I think one, 173, you know. And, uh, awesome. and that's fine, you know. That's a bit the sport and the judging. And also the angle, you know. He has a bit swingier changes. So sometimes the side judges, he'll score higher from them because from the side, the changes are looking you know, just fine. And then when you're sitting directly behind him, you can't help but, you know, notice that there's still some work to be done there. So I understand that completely. And that that just is a part of our sport. That's why they're doing like seven judges at some of the big shows now. Yeah. So So when he is tense, how does that materialize in in the test? You know, what what does that mean for you Um, and in the specific movements? What goes, when when it's wrong, what goes wrong? Because I think for a lot of us, we just see, I mean, the horses always in those big, big classes and stuff always look beautiful and look like they're doing exactly, you know, what they're, you know, what they're being told. But yeah, when when we have a lot of riders come on and say the feeling wasn't great. Well, what, you know, what is that? What's going on a little bit? I think like, so, so to compare like his, his special to his Grand Prix, he, he warmed up fine for the special maybe not perfect as perfect and through and I think already he wasn't quite as in front of my leg going in there and then so for him like just walking through like the feel from that day you know I went in there and of course like it's Saturday I think it was Saturday Saturday so we had been in the stadium and that was no problem but now the stadium was actually full and it's a big stadium Mm -hmm. Of people, so and that doesn't really bother him, but it's different. And then it makes me also not quite sure what to expect from him. So I'm already a little like waiting for him just to see which horse. Like he could squeal and take off, which is still in there once in a while, like not so much. Like that horse hasn't been out in a long time, but it's still there, you know. And he's seventeen two, seventeen three. So, you know, you just really need to gauge. It's not like I'm gonna boot him in front of my leg and go galloping around. Like that's not that's not the fix. But so he a little bit like looked up into the stands and was like, Oh my God, that's a lot of people and I'm like, that is a lot of people. 
<laughs> and then we were going around the outside and you know I think I don't know if he like whinnied then or like stopped and went to the bathroom or whatever but it's a little like he gets a little a little behind the leg but at the same time a bit overreactive so it's a, a little bit challenging place to fix within the test where you get this feeling that he's a little pushed back against you so you want to ride a bit more forward but then he's got that little bit sucked back, but then a little bit electric all at the same time. So that shows up in like the tiny places like passage extension, you know, it's like he goes, Oh, okay. Normally we can't are out of passage. Like really his mistakes come from getting a little insecure and, and trying too hard to help in a way, like in the special, the, the changes are on the opposite diagonal. So the twos are literally coming out of the corner that you normally do your ones on. And the ones are coming out of the same corner that you normally in the Grand Prix do your twos on. And I think we all, especially when we're moving a horse up, tend to focus more on that Grand Prix test. And then you're like, oh, and now I have to do the special. And the horse is already like twos off the left, ones off the right, you know? So you really have to make sure you're working all the diagonals and the same diagonals and different counts and that kind of thing. But it's like in those slightly more insecure moments, he's like, Oh, this is the diagonal we do twos on. I'm trying to be a good boy. And you know, Aww. you start to do your ones and you get twos or vice versa, you know? So that's, he's never trying to be bad. It's just that little, little spot, you know? So and I think the other thing is that test rides, at least for me, with him right now, very differently than the Grand Prix. We're a little less familiar with it. And it's also such a long test. There's a part of you that's like, okay, I'm going to really ride this. And it's like, it's kind of like so long in that first section of like passage, extended trot, back, half pass, in, out, in, out you really need to not get in a hurry to get to the next movement. Like you'd have to really like sit there and wait. Like, and when you're passaging around those short sides and like, it's like, okay, and then we're going to trot and half pass, or then we're going to extend a trot. You really have to not get in a hurry. Like you just have to kind of like bounce along around that corner and not kind of push them off their feet and really wait for each next movement to come to you. And I think that, like, just in working that special this this week in particular, because we're going to practice that tomorrow, um, you know, I think that that was the spot that a little bit things, he and I lost each other, you know, in that test was that he felt a little behind. So I think I was trying to ride too much to each next movement and then, you know, wasn't quite well, our small, day yeah, well, small, not even that like i watched the video it still looks beautiful yeah it looks good. Like it's not always <laughs> doing the right thing you know i can't say like oh my god he exploded or oh it was terrible or you know i didn't i didn't come out of the test wanting to like you know shoot myself or commit suicide which sometimes we all have that feeling when we're knowing it's not so great like you know or bury yourself in the tack room and never come out like I didn't have that feeling at all I really more had the just like huh okay like I need to get to the same point with this test that I am in the other test with him which is I so know every like exactly how he needs to be balanced through every corner like you know I passage, canter, I go forward that first side. I come back for the corner, forward across the short side, come back for the corner, choose. You know, it's just knowing exactly what to do where. And then that horse gets 
finds comfort in that. So then in the, the situations where you're both a little tense, you, you can more easily like be like, oh, I know the pattern of exactly what I'm doing, not just the test pattern, but kind of exactly how it should feel. Yeah. And that's a really good thing, good point, and and something that we all should strive yeah, when we are that's competing great a level. Yeah, yeah competing yeah. a level, like you shouldn't just know the pattern; you should actually know the the little parts of it. That's really good. So yeah, it's, everyone has a different way of riding, you know, their own horse around a yeah. pattern that, that there's other thirty other competitors in, right? But you can't just sit on thirty different horses and ride it exactly the same way. I mean, it's very unique to the rider and horse that's what i think that's what makes the sport so special and so awesome you know especially at, at the international so olivia yeah. what happens next you've got right a little show getting ready for akin is that what happens next yeah so we've got a practice show this weekend um where will that be to rehearse this special um I'm going to totally butcher the pronunciation of the name, but I think it's Boninen. It's like a little, it's a little town. It's, it's kind of a, I don't, I don't want to call it a backyard show, but it's just a local, <laughs> like all yeah. in, they don't have stabling. Like you show up, you ride your test, you go home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. Just like a, like a dress rehearsal, so to speak for Aachen for us. Sure. Sure. Um, so we'll do that. And then next week we will focus uh, again, a little bit touching on, you know, just keeping them fresh, good body control, like sharpness, that kind of thing, touch on the Grand Prix. And then we do need to put a little bit of effort into practicing um, the freestyle uh, on the chance that we might make it to the, are going final, to make it. Would yeah. Be awesome. yeah, that would be like the are top going 12 to. or 15 My goal or really so, right? is I just I just want to have like a Grand Prix and a special like Rotterdam if not better. Just like keep this level of quality but like with good relaxation and just like two really clean tests. And then however the chips fall is I'll be I'll be fine with. You know, just getting to do these shows is pretty pretty it's awesome. awesome. It's amazing. I have to yeah. say. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, yeah. Olivia, we are so thrilled to have you on the show, and we hope you'll come back after Aachen. We can't wait to hear how Aachen goes in your adventure. Oh, uh, for sure. You guys come home after Aachen? Is that, that what is the, That is the plan. Yep. Fantastic. That is the plan. Oh, well, we can't wait to keep in touch with you. And if our listeners have any questions, how can they find you online? Um. Probably either Facebook uh, Messenger. Just you always have to give me a day or two because sometimes I forget to, to check it. But send me a message on Facebook is probably the best. Or you can always send an email um, through our website, which is uh, mountaincrestfarm.com. Love it. Well, thank you so much. We promised we'd get you to bed before 11 uh, your time and <laughs> so you can get some rest. Uh, but we wish you the best and we are going to be rooting, rooting yeah, for you. Good luck. Yeah. Can't wait to hear all about Aachen. That's thank like you. my dream to ride there. So I, I want the whole scoop. Yeah, no. Well, I, I was really glad when they told me that the dressage is, I guess they have like a dressage stadium. Like I was only a bit worried about having to like walk out in that giant <laughs> thing on the grass and whatnot, but I don't think I have to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, well, we can't wait to hear Oliver. I think he may have been whinnying his way around Austin if we did that. Lona would be freaking out, but he'll be great and he'll be so much fun. Well, he'd be talking to everybody. (laughs) Hello, is anyone there? Hello, somebody. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much. And we can't wait to talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for having me back on. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for this week's Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we kept Bridget Hay from her last interview on to do a trainer tip with us. Bridget, welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. We're so happy (laughs) that you stayed with us. And we wanted to say one of the things we always ask all our trainers that are guests are kind of what is your trainer pet peeve uh, for our total saddle fit tip of the week. So go for it. What's your, what's your pet peeve that you hate that riders do? My biggest pet peeve is rider position that they sit back and that their hands that they're, they are, that they have their elbows are bent. Their hands are not flat and they have a straight line from elbow to the bit. Hands are so following. hands not flat. That means thumbs up, right? Correct. Is that what we're talking thumbs about? Up. Yeah. That the hands it. are following. Otherwise, flat hands create that tension in the forearm, and the horses feel that in the connection. Just soft, flat hands and no indirect reins. That drives me crazy. Straight well, line, think, elbow to the bit. Yeah, and I think people actually try to have soft hands and turn their hands over because they think that that's actually yes. soft. You know, I think people think, oh, if I can uh, hold the reins like this and kind of turn turn my hands over, uh, which I actually think that the riders will then it in- makes riders lean forward as well. Like they they actually think, oh, it's a soft, it's a soft hand. I'm being so nice, and that's and actually they cock their wrist too. They cock their wrist too, right? Right, yeah. and so exactly. So it's actually a rougher connection mm-hmm. than if you just keep a straight line from the elbow wrist to the bit, for sure. Yeah, and so oh, for sure. Talk to us about what you mean by sitting back. Like, what, just sitting define back. that for us. Um, you know, that, that plumb line between the shoulder to the back of your, you know, through your hip to the back of your heel. And I, tend, I think we all tend to ever so slightly tip forward, and the horses feel that. And I got my butt kicked, you know, about this all winter to sit back and then allow. And if I use my hands to not to just to bring my elbows back because then I have that leverage from my core and without pulling on the horse, just elbows back. And as I engaged, you know, as I sat back and my horses could come up in the front end and engage the hindland more, we all tipped forward a little more than we were like, even more. I don't even realize it as much. And so I'm being yelled at constantly. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God, my horse is so much lighter now when I actually sit back even more. And using the mirrors helps a lot, I have to say. So look in the mirrors and look at how far back you sit. I mean, and straightness. Are, are, there, are there any movements in particular where you say, where you can really identify this as a problem or catch yourself um, coming forward? The pirouettes. Yes. The yeah, pirouettes big time. Sure. Yes. I have gotten Oh, this is actually, now, yeah, an I'll interesting discussion. Right I'll be like, what yeah, the hell am I so doing? Wait, when you sit in the pirouette, you know, where, where are, you can talk us through, because that's actually a really big thing. And, and it drives me crazy when people look down to the inside in the canter pirouette. It drives me crazy. Yes. 
Keep your eyes up. Yes. Just like anything else. Keep your eyes up and sit back. We want them to lower their haunches. So we need to sit back to help them out in their balance. So that happens as opposed to leaning, you know, it, it, there's no point. Like it makes no sense to tip, you know, to tip your body up when you want them to sit down. And for some reason we want to do it. I don't know why. Yeah. So, uh, well, I, yeah. yeah, I have a little insight into this is because, you know, in, in, in Canada, especially, and when we talk about the movements coming into fourth level in pre-St. George, um, mm-hmm. there's such a high degree of collection that the riders tend to get in front of the motion to try and, you know, help the collection. Yeah, instead of getting you know what I mean? So we think, back. you know, we instinctively get in front of the shoulder to, and then we think, okay, then the horse starts, you know, starts cantering shorter, but then we have no impulsion, right? So right. I think it's just the balance of being able to sit back, create the impulsion, and then have the, the restricting aids in, in the contact a little bit and from our core then we can do a better job because yeah, leaning forward in the pirouettes is big, but you'll see it in the half pass and in, in the changes, especially in tempes, the riders will fall more oh and God. more and more yeah, forward for sure. instead of driving sure. the horses more, you know, driving the horses up. Um, you know, when mm-hmm. we talk about it in the half pass, you know, we lean forward so that we get a little bit more of the sideways stuff going. So we're scared to ride forward in half pass because we think we're going to get beyond our destination. You know, like in the St. George, when you ride from the corner, to X and then you know that's kind of a short distance you know mm-hmm. if, if yeah. that's you know when you're training it or whatever and then so you tend to get leaning forward because you don't want to get to X right you're trying to prevent yourself from getting X you're trying to really you know get over and get to the center line and you know you know you don't you know but as we learn and to get better scores and to ride better we actually have to drive the horses to our destinations and just teach them to sit and restrict from contact and from transitions and from training and not from these positional things that gets us, you know, in front of the motion and then and then stopping the hind legs and 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 having all these other kind of problems. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think that's sure. a great illustration in the canter work. You know, just tipping forward and then and then kind of creating this rocking horse thing, but the horse is just jumping straight up, straight down, and sure. and and not having any hind leg engagement or fluidity okay. to the to the canter work. Well, and I yep. think an in tests like that, you know, especially as you get up in the levels and second level and all the levels, you should sit back, but certainly second level where collection is, that's the first time that question is answered is asked is every corner you need to sit back and think, I got to sit back and bring my shoulders up and back, um, to get in preparation for the next movement. And that will get more and more difficult as the levels you know, as the movements get more difficult. And so you've got to train yourself from the beginning. Okay, in the corner, I'm going to make sure that I have a straight line from my elbow wrist to the bit. I bring my shoulders up and back. I bring my chest up. My shoulder blades are touching. You know, those are the things that you want to think real quickly in the corner so that as you progress up to levels, you really think, okay, I'm ready to go. And that you sort of don't revert. And as the test gets harder and longer, you don't get worse and worse as the test goes, which I have personally been guilty of. What do you think, Bridget? <laughs> I think we all have straight I think we all have straightnesses too. Like I know I always would if I don't pay attention to it, like, my left hip would get collapsed. You know, I always have to lift it and sit back and pull my right shoulder back and out. And while I'm tracking left, I'm always looking in the mirror to make sure I'm back enough and straight enough in my body when I come straight at it because I think we all have those kind of problems that we always have to just be aware of. Yeah. Well, and I think as trainers is, is we all are is, um, 
the, the problem is we ride a lot by ourselves where we ride a lot of different horses and you know, you, you forget sometimes about the fact that you really need to pay attention to the way you sit. Um, yeah. and it's easy to do it. It's easy to sort of get off track for everybody, not just for everyone to do it. And that's why we always need trainers and we need people to remind us on how we should be sitting. Well, especially oh, if yeah. you're riding a lot of young horses or you're fixing other people's problems, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, you got horses in for training. Like, oh, my horse doesn't do flying changes well. And then, you, you know, you're training this horse. You're jumping on the next horse. And, and you know, only maybe one or two rides out of the day are you really saying, okay, this is my, my horse that I need to focus on for competition. And I got to fix my position. And, and I can't get away with exactly. the little things that, you know, this is the one I want to show off not the one I have to fix or the one I have to back or break or, you know, wherever you are in your development with the yeah. other horses in your barn, you know? Um, no, it's so true. Young horses, for sure. You, you, we all wind up, you know, we all ride a little bit more tipped forward, you know? I mean, I don't think anybody sits yeah. back that much on young horses. And then it's hard. Then you get off the young horse on the FBI horse and you're like, okay, I got to sit back down way back. Yeah. It's, you know, easily, we have to easily adjust our bodies to the horses and it's hard to get it not, you know, to not get into bad habits. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for coming on and staying on for our trainer tip of the week. How can our listeners find you online? My, I have a Facebook page, Bridget Hay, just my normal page, which is open to the public. Anybody can look at it. Or my email is Bridget, B-R-I-D-G-E-T dot Hay, H-A-Y at hotmail.com. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, Phil, I got a good package from Justin this week from what Justin. You, what, what have you been getting? You got some cool stuff. Yeah, I got some cool stuff because, you know, we really, one of the things we do here on the radio show with sponsors, we really use the products and Total Saddle Fit, we have used all the products between Phil and I and the stretch tech girth is fantastic. And uh, my stretch tech girth, um, what's nice about that product is you have several different inserts. So I've been using the neoprene one and it just got a little bit of a crack in it. Um, because I've been using it so much. So Justin (laughs) sent me. Yeah, so it was great. I called Justin, and I also was having some saddle fit trouble uh, with my young horse. Uh, And he's just growing and changing, and his back's different, and he's going so well, and I'm super excited. But the saddle was shifting forward a little bit, so I called Justin and and got his advice on the saddle. So uh, he is so great to work with, and uh, that's when I said, hey, Justin, I've got you know, a little problem with the, with this girth. And he said, Oh no, no, we have, um, you know, an insert that you can get or just another neoprene that sticks right to it. And it's, we carried on like nothing happened. So, uh, we really can't thank him enough. And it is a great service he provides, uh, for any kind of saddle fitting questions. And then all his products, uh, both Phil and I, right. Cannot say enough about the products. We use them ourselves every day. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that you can just contact Justin, you know, the owner of the company, and he deal with him directly. And he's got great solutions, really smart guy, really knows his selling, and and uh, really promotes his products. And, and and it's a really great business, and, and uh, he's happy. It's not like you buy a product and then you you never can talk to the person again or whatever. It's right. It's really he, you know, he takes care of his clients and. Uh, I mean, we've both been really happy with, with Justin himself and just with the whole company. I can't recommend, you know, the girths and the saddle pads and, and everything else that they do. We can't recommend it enough because it's awesome. And uh, yeah. we really appreciate Total Saddle Fit. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So if you have any questions, uh, just email Justin at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, we started the day because we got such a lovely uh, Facebook message and shout out. And we love it. So keep them coming. Uh, and again, if you have any questions or any concerns, let us know. And we will try to figure out a solution to that problem. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and you can reach me by email at reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to get a hold of me or to find me is on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. Keep working hard, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.